Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you have listened to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. Be on the lookout as well for my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, which is being published in September 2020. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand, both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you're looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them at www.cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to introduce our guest today. Kit Pang is a public speaking and virtual presentation skills expert. He is the founder of Boston Speaks, an organization devoted to helping everyday people become natural public speakers. Hello, Kit. Ed, I'm super excited to be on your podcast. Uh, thank you for having me. Well, we are super excited to have you here. You know, you have such a great professional story that I'm really anxious to have people here. And I think the work you do in helping people become really natural public speakers is filled with bravery stories, people doing things that maybe they didn't think they could do in the first place. Exactly. You know, as we all heard, public speaking is one of the scariest things out there. Yeah, we've had a public speaking expert on the podcast before, and she shared some statistics. And a public speaking creates more fear in people than things even like death. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what are you going to say, right? And that's why when people do speak about work, uh, you know, of course, I'll get into it later. Uh, that's why it's so important to learn the skills of public speaking. Oh, definitely. And to some degree, it is a great skill. So Kit, tell us a little bit about your background. Tell us your professional story and how you got to where you are today. Well, I got into public speaking because I used to always actually be scared of public speaking. So the the little background story is basically in college, I entered a public speaking competition. And uh, the reason I did it, it was for the money. It was like $3,000 for the winner. And wow. I was, I was a, uh, of course, college student about to graduate and I did not have a job lined up. So I, did, <laughs> I, I needed something. <laughs> so I said, oh, $3,000, I'm going to try it. And I, I still remember that week before the competition, I practiced a hack out of my speech. It was like more than I ever did with my thesis and everything else. They had it at a chapel. So I would go into the chapel for like a week from 8 p.m. to 2 a.m. every single day and just rehearse it, body language, vocal variety, the speech over and over again. And something magical happened on that day delivering the speech itself. I got into the zone. Uh, Things slowed down. I was able to look at the audience. The words were just coming out of my mouth. But in that moment, I felt alive. And it is that moment, that's why I got into public speaking, because I never felt more brave in that moment. I felt vulnerable. I felt like myself. 
I felt authentic because growing up in an Asian family, we don't really share our emotions. We don't say I love you a lot. We don't hug a lot. So during that day of, I felt like I can share a little bit of myself. Well, actually, share all of myself. And still be validated. So not only did that day help me start loving public speaking, but I think it helped me start my life again, basically. Yeah. I'm so I'm curious. Do you think that the way you grew up influenced this desire? Was it kind of like a pendulum where you grew up in an environment where you didn't say "I love you" and didn't hug, to now an environment where you needed to be vulnerable and show your real inner self? You know, when it comes to, I think being brave at work or being brave at home or be, you know, being brave anywhere, I think it is all about being yourself. This is one story that, when the word bravery, of course,、uh, this is not too related to work, though. And is that okay? But I think yeah, I will make it related to work. So, when I was growing up, we lived in、uh, Roxbury、uh, in Boston, and that was more of the urban areas. And so outside, my parents did not like the kids playing outside.、Uh, more specifically, they were African American and Latinos and Latinas. And it wasn't one hundred percent of the race, but my dad just didn't want me getting into trouble and being a bad kid. And so、uh, when I went to college, I actually started liking a girl who was African American. And I knew if I had to tell my dad that he would not like it at all, a hundred and fifty percent. But of course, me and her started dating more, and so the day eventually came, and I wanted to tell my father and my parents. Of course, I wanted to tell them before, but I was just holding it in myself. I'm like, oh man, I can't tell them. And I remember that day when I told my father, he wanted to kick me out the house.、Mm. And of course, he did not kick me out the house. But I remember he didn't want to talk to me. We, you know, we were just staying at home, and he didn't want to talk to me. Of course, I I, t- I told him when I was on college break. You were able you were able to get out of there. I can sneak up. I think that was one of still one of the hardest things to do. It was to tell my parents that. And over time, it did get better. But I think it was working up the courage. To basically be myself, do what I wanted to do, and have them respect me for that. And when it comes to the workplace, there are a lot of things that we sometimes always hold back. Maybe it's our dreams, it's our ambitions, maybe it's what we really think about this project. But sometimes we never tell it. Sometimes we don't、uh, hold other people accountable. Sometimes we don't give the right feedback, just because we might think, oh. We might get negative feedback on top of that, and we don't want to have conflict. So I think being brave at work it is part of being yourself, but at the same time embracing that conflict as well. Kit, there's a couple of things that you said I want to go back on. One is an observation, and then the second is a question. The observation, as you started your story, is that through this program, I have become to believe, and I think most people who have participated would believe. That you can be brave in different places. So brave at work, brave at home, brave externally in the world, you know, socially, etc. It's different places, but inside it feels the same. You know what it takes for you to do it, and what it feels like to you, whether it's at home or at work, feels the same. So I think there is, in many ways, one type of bravery internally, 
although externally we're demonstrating it in different places. And, you know, I'd love for you to reflect a little bit more on why we don't do it. You know, you said that, you know, oftentimes at work, we don't say what we want. We don't talk about our dreams, our hopes, our aspirations. What do you think or what are some of the reasons that people don't do something that for some of us seems so obvious? Yeah, and this is something that I help my clients deal with all of the time. And I want to talk about the fear of public speaking. That's only one part. So there's a statistic. I don't know where this came from. I have to fact check this as well. But they say that only 8% of the people who are scared of public speaking actually go seek professional help. That's a a low number. That's a very low number. And here's the thing. Whenever I teach people public speaking, I ask them this. I said, hey, John. Do you want me to talk to others in your organization and ask them to give you feedback about your speaking? Usually they will shy away or usually they don't want me to tell their organization at all that they're seeking speaking help. Right. Wow. Well, why is that? So you have to see who it is as the individual in the organization. Are they an executive? Are they a rising leader? I'll I'll just give from those two perspectives. Even executives. They are super scared sometimes of public speaking, okay? I've worked with C-level, C-suite executives who are at the top of the game and they seek public speaking help, but they don't want others to know. Maybe because they feel like, wow, they're at the top of the game, but they have to deal with this. Well, what will other people think about them if they have to work on their speaking skills? I think sometimes it's also the norm that we have as a culture. Well, it's okay to maybe have an executive coach, but maybe not a speaker coach. Maybe it's something is to do with the speaking. They feel like hmm, vulnerable. They don't want others to know. And it's also having the courage to speak up is also having the courage to speak up on the fear that you have. And that's why it's hard. When it comes to public speaking, especially, it's a fear. They get anxious, they get stressed out, and they have to talk openly about them being stressed out them shaking and you know their body shaking them getting jittery they have to talk about that so that's why it's scary to even just bring it up well you used the word earlier uh vulnerability and i'm wondering if many of these leaders uh don't want people to see them for who they are or how they really are and that i'm not a person who gets nervous and i'm not a person who shakes or i'm not a person who could be afraid of anything right and as a leader of the organization i can take on any challenge and that this desire to become a better public speaker which to me is a basic fundamental aspiration that most of us would have if we want to talk with others it's okay to be vulnerable and it's okay to let people know that you're not perfect and need help or assistance or guidance on how to improve your skills. Yeah. Let me let me tell you this one time. I went to this person's office. It was at 8 p.m. at night. Okay, I drove out like an hour. There was no one at the office. I remember it was the first time I was meeting one, one of my clients, and he's great. He's super intelligent, super friendly. And I said, hey, do you have a bigger conference room? You know, it's 8 p.m. at night. Do you have a bigger conference room we can go and practice? Because like the real thing, it's better to practice in the room that's closer to the real thing. Mm -hmm. And I remember him going out in the hallway and looking around to see if anyone might be looking at him. (laughs) And when we were at the conference room, he was still looking out the window to see if anyone were looking. Wow. One of his reasons was because 
he said is he's working in a, in a sales organization. All those sales guys, they say, are great at, at their speaking skills. They're, they're so charismatic. They're so great. But him, he's more technical. And so I, I think he felt a little inferior, you know, even though everyone is so good at it at the organization. Well, he's not. Right. And it's amazing why people think it's a bad thing to want to get better at something, right? So if you're a sales executive and you want to improve your presentation skills, you want to improve your closure skills, your influence skills, whatever it might be, these may not be things that we're all born with naturally. And you know, in my mind, there's nothing wrong with going out and finding a resource like yourself and others who can help you get better at and build your exposure and experience in these areas. You know, it's a little different. And it's mm-hmm. probably not as extreme for me, but, you know, in my coaching practice, every once in a while, not too often, but every once in a while, I'll meet a client who doesn't want anyone to know that he has a coach. And it's, I think, a fear of, you know, embarrassment or a fear of failure or a perception of failure that they think if they have a coach helping them, that they are deficient and every, no one else is, right? And so then, you know, am I setting up myself as a sign of weakness that I have a coach? And yet in the real world, of course, you know, the Tiger Woods of the world and baseball players and football players all have coaches, right? We watch them on TV with coaches. <laughs> it's a very explicit activity. It's not like they secretly have coaches, right? Yeah. So we're talking about the individual a lot, but it's not only them. Like like exactly what you were saying. Well, if we watch basketball or sports, we know we can see the coaches. Every single one of them have a coach. When it comes to organization, it's also the organization at fault too. Because maybe they don't bring up, oh, everyone should have a coach. Sometimes they're on their own. Sometimes learning is not even part of it. And so of course, I don't want to dive into the coaching aspect, but this is the same thing when people are talking one-on-one and they're talking to a group. Sometimes people think as individuals, it's all our fault. No, it's also the person that's hosting the meeting. It's also the boss who's in charge of leading the team. Is the culture and is the aspect fair for everyone? And are they creating that? Well, I'm a big believer that culture uh, organizationally has a huge influence on how people behave in the workplace. And if your culture doesn't support or isn't transparent on the assistance an external resource can provide you, your likelihood of embracing it is low. If the organization is very open and supportive and actually has budgeted line items for coaching, then the likelihood of you being open to it and receptive to it is greater. We're going to pause in our recording with Kit Pang and ask that you join us next week as we hear more from Kit on bravery in the workplace. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week, and we hope you join us next week as we further explore being brave at work. We also welcome you to subscribe to our podcast at BeBraveAtWork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on Pandora, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, CastBox, Overcast, Apple, Stitcher. We are everywhere. Do you have something to say yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.